the collision of culture and truth and righteousness. Um, the creative purpose, you see in top of your notes, the creative purpose of sexuality. I'm using an interesting term because I announced that we were going to talk about the purpose of, of a, a physical relationship between a husband and a wife. But God is just really, as I was just finalizing things, he just said you need to add some things because this is bigger than just a physical relationship between a husband and wife. And, uh, and to understand the purpose and so that you can treasure it. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me before I go on these trips where I go overseas, oh, are you excited about going? I'm going, well, no, because I really don't like traveling. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I remember one time going, I was over for 24 days, and that's a long time to be away from your wife. I know, Kevin, that's probably no big deal for you, but, you know, but, uh, but for me, 24 days is a long time. I'll be gone 21 days this time. And, uh, but I remember this one time I went, and I'm going over, and coming, flying back into Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C. And when you land, when you go into, you know, come in a plane, you get on a tram, and you go across, and you go to get into the immigration, uh, whatever that is with the, the Homeland Security thing. And as you're standing in line to go through these things, they got these TV monitors up that just show America. Now, you got to realize, you know, many of these times I'm over there, I'm in really weird places, doing weird things, and comfort's not a thing that you're really embracing. And, and so, but, but also not in comfort, but just the familiarity of the preciousness of our country. And, and so I'll be in, standing in line there, and this happens to me just about every time, and it's kind of embarrassing because I start seeing these pictures and I start to cry. Because, you know, I'm going, God bless this country, you know? God bless our our country, and I, by the time I get up to the to the Homeland Security dude where he's checking my passport, why were you traveling, I'm just like, oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, I want to reach over and kiss him, you know, and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> you know? And they're trying to be firm, and, you know, and I'm just, oh, I'm so glad to see you, you know. You know? Because, you know, what I do when I go, I don't think about, I don't let my heart attach itself to being home. I just, sh- literally, I'll shut that off. Because I can't say, oh, I want to be with Paula. I can't say that. I do, but I can't, or else it'll kill me, you know. By the time I, and then when I get standing in that line, all of a sudden my heart goes, oh! And you just, you know, you can't wait to, to see Paula. Then the next thing is you can't wait to have a, you know, a, a burrito down at Matt, uh, Moe's right down the street from the airport, you know. I'm going, oh, God. You know, or a egg and cheese biscuit, you know, stuff like that, you know. And uh, because what happens in those moments, you get a chance to step back and you see how much the things that you have are precious. And are how, or I'm going to use this term, holy for us. And then I'm taking a step in the area where we, we ended last weekend and talking about sexual relationships, about Three times in First Thessalonians chapter four, it uses the word of God, the word sanctification. This is God's will for you, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That we'd understand, and that's my heart today in sharing the things that I share to you. That if God would have His way, that I know it's His heart that we can communicate the preciousness of sexuality. And when I say that. It's been stolen because I think the Latin word, you know, sex is not mentioned in the Bible. 
just husband and wife and the, and the expression of that relationship. But I think it was a 14th century term uh, just to describe a man and a woman. But then it goes, you know, how society will do is terms morph and it starts to describe many other things. And, and I, I was kind of tentative in using it with the creative purpose of sexuality, literally the creative purpose of God making a, a man and a woman in that. So if we would, if you want to, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, because when we're talking about this, we've got to have a basis to understand this physical relationship between a, a man and a woman and lay a foundation because our culture is trying to distort the reality and the awesomeness and the beauty of this, trying to make it uncommon, trying to make it common, I'm sorry, trying to make it common and trying to make it not separate for between a, a one man and a one woman. But I just want to lay this out here in, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, in the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. In the day, in the day, get that now. In the day that God created man, in the light, he created him in the likeness of God. Verse 2. He created them, male and female. He blessed them. Man, blessed them, man, in the day when they were created. Now y'all, it wasn't days, it was day. And you know, you'll see in Genesis 1.28, and I don't have that passage up here, but it says, male and female, he created he them. Reality was, when God created Adam, he created man and woman. And, uh, and I don't, I'm not going to go into the detail of that, but when we talk about sexuality, it's very, very important for us that God, we catch this phrase here and not let it distort. He created them male and female. And as you can notice in my notes there, we cannot find and see the fullness of the expression of the heart of God apart from the expression of a man and a woman. I think us elders were discovering that in our elders' meetings. You know, we found out that we had too much testosterone in our meetings. And because we'd have these meetings and we'd make these decisions and, and all of a sudden the notes would go out to our wives and we're going, you know, Going, did y'all think about this? Uh, no. And so we just started repenting and going, all right, we need our wives in these meetings. And bless God, you know, uh, the wives are the ones that can are able to be there, um, be there with us at six, and then also when we have together. Because what we're realizing is we can't see the fullness of the heart of God for this body with a bunch of men. It's reality and the value that what goes on here. And, I, and so because in this, I want you to notice in this passage in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God made man, okay, made man, okay, but, but like I said earlier, when he made man, Eve's there, but there's something very important. Catch this. In verse 7, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And the Lord was showing me in this, the, Lord, the word there for formed is simply made, like making clay pots. Form man out of the dust or dirt. And one of the things the Lord was showing me here is there's two things in here. When God made man, God made in the characteristic of a man foundations and work and, and labor. 
And so in it, in it is, is, the, is a foundational principle. It's in the dirt, you know. It's what a foundation does. It, it bridges the gap that something can be built on. But it's interesting when we go on to, on to Genesis chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 20. I'm going to read 21, and I don't know if I have that. Yeah, I did, thank God. It says, uh, so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh at that place. That's interesting. Yeah. I was studying this. Closed, took one of man, one of the ribs, and to be honest with you, uh, it's not necessarily the Hebrew word for ribs. That Hebrew word there, it gets used, rib here, literally gets is translated every other place in the Old Testament it's used, side. Literally, God took out of the side of man. I don't know what he reached into. God, he may have been a rib. Uh, that word gets, you know, the theologians say it's a rib, but 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 reaches in and grabs a rib out of the, grabs something out of the man. Not say rib. This is for that state, place. But interesting thing that caught my attention as I was studying this in the Hebrew, and look at it. Notice what it says. He closed up the flesh at that place. And I was looking at that word place in the Hebrew. And you know what that place, it, how, when you write a Hebrew word, it has, they, they um, excuse me for using this phrase, but he used a thing called a pronominal suffix. You have a noun, and they just put a suffix on the end of the word, and it's pronominal. It'll tell you, you know, that's where they put it. They don't write it separate, mostly. They just put it on the end of the noun. And the interesting thing with this pronominal suffix is her place. He took out of the man, opened the man up, and he closed up her place. And then Lord God took the rib and he, he fashioned it into a woman. Now, it's not the same Hebrew word when he used man simply made out of dirt. And you've heard me say this before. Well, but this word for woman, fashioned, is a word that communicates complex construction. It's a word that's used, well, it's a word that used when, when Noah built the ark. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word for like building a palace. And, I, you know, like you've heard me joke before, but how God simply made man out of dust and, and complexly made a woman out of a rib and, and God called the simple to take care of the complex. And, you know, and you've heard me say before, only I was crying out to God, God, why is it that I am the simple one in our relationship? I think simple and Paula, she thinks complex. And how is it that you call me the simple one to, to, to take care of the, the complex one, and that's when God spoke to me and says, well, you need me. And that's so true. But an important thing in this before we take this step any further is that God created one man, one woman. And I just want to say that the fullness of the expression of the heart of God cannot be fully measured, I believe, in this thing between the image of God cannot be fully seen apart from husband and wife, man, woman. And this place of a man and a woman, not only in our home, but also in our, in our family relationships. Like a brother and a sister, and that's where it gets up in the next passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Go to the next slide, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, where it says, I will be a father to you, and you will be to me as sons and daughters. And I think this is very, very important. 
that there's a delineation here, sons and daughters. Because the daughter relates to a father's heart different than the son different, relates to a father's heart. And, that, and that's not less than in the fullness of the heart of God. It's just as great, and, but just totally different. And you all have heard me talk about my relationship with Shay and my relationship with Michelle and how they're just totally different. I don't know why it is that I've got two pictures of Michelle sitting on my, on my nightstand and I don't have any of Shay. I love Shay, but I've got two of Michelle. I don't know why. Is that something natural? I don't know. I guess she's always about helping me to remember, I guess, you know. But she's a gift. But she's just a gift. And and that ex- sexual expression of a son and of a daughter is special and it's unique. You know, for those of us who had the privilege to have both a son and a daughter, it's just, it's really special. You know, and, uh, you know, it makes you value and understand the heart of God in a way. I, you know, I never understood the totality of the heart of God until Michelle was born. In my, my mind said, God bless y'all that God gave me a daughter. Because I'd be loved totally different if Michelle happened to be a boy. And I just thought it was gonna, she was going to be a boy. And that was just sort of my mindset. Because I had a brother, I didn't know anything about girls. And so all of a sudden, she's born and she totally wrecked my world and my paradigm of how to function as a dad. And I've shared those stuff with you many times, but it's important to understand this distinction of a man and a woman, a son, a daughter. I just want to say this, y'all. There's, there's, there's something about having brothers like Burby and, and Tulio and Mitch or Ben or y'all guys. It's, it's precious to have y'all. But there's something about having a sister that can butcher you up in a way that they can say some words to you and then you walk away and they go, she just cut me open. Just smiling. Oh, I love you, Rick, but such and such, such and such. And I'm going, I'm bleeding. And you know, and it's important. I think you, for sisters biologically, with a brother, and but also sisters in the body of Christ, to be sisters and for us to not allow the lust of the world to make them any different than they are. Let them be the sisters. And what Satan wants to do is distort it. And the, th- the, second th- the third thing that I really want to emphasize in this foundation here, y'all, is when we're talking about the physical relationship to a man and a woman, I just want to emphasize something here. It's going here. It's about the singles. Because there's a word in this that y'all, uh, go to the next slide, I'm sorry. Uh, in seven one, Paul makes this statement. He says, yet I wish that all men were even as myself. Paul was single. He wasn't married. And he says, however, each man has his own gift from God. And one in that matter and another is that. And he goes on and talks about later in chapter 7 that, that uh, about the awesomeness of being single and not being married, that how your heart... i got to read you all this past scripture. When I was studying for this, I never noticed this passage, and I'm going, oh, oh, God, this is so true. But listen to this. You who are single and have been aspiring to be married, you need to listen to this. You know, if God's created you for that, given that gift to you, uh, go with it. But uh, 
But he says, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I lost it. He says, oh, oh yeah, verse 28. He says, but if you should marry, you have not sinned. If a virgin should marry, she's not sinned. Yet, such will have trouble in this life. And I'm trying to spare you. And I'm going, Paul. <laughs> you get married, you're going to have trouble. Tribu- the word is tribulation, squeezed. <laughs> so, uh, you know. You know, it's kind of funny so many times that y'all have heard me say this before. I've been doing premarital counseling, postmarital counseling, and, you know, all the in, all over it. But I'm going there saying, oh, Jesus, can't wait to get married, can't wait to get married. After they get married and you counsel them, I'm going, why did I get married? Why did I get married? You know, well, it's, it's not bad. It's great. It's awesome, but there's trouble. Because <laughs> when you blend simple, and complex in it, and in it. And I just want to say to the single, this is what God is saying in my heart, you don't lack. You don't lack. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, you don't lack. Now Paul was single. Jesus was single. And so, you know, for some reason in our society today, when somebody's single, we make them feel like, oh, Oh, when are you going to get married? It would make them think they lack, then they don't. But yeah, when they don't. And I, you, know, you know, you go to a family reunion. You ain't married yet? There's something wrong with you? What? That's the world. That's the world mindset. When we need to catch the heart of God is somebody single does not lack. And so the things that I'm talking about today, please do not hear in any way, shape, or form when I talk about this physical relationship between a husband and a wife that it communicates in any way, shape, or form. If you're single, you lack. In fact, as I just read in verse 28 of chapter 7, you have an opportunity to miss some tribulation. So anyway, transitioning in this, God did, though, he's got some of us, no, let me back up, I want to emphasize this single deal. It's a gift. That's what Paul says. It's a gift. And so, but then on the flip side, there are those of us who have, I want to use this word, that were so screwed up as a piece or a part. Because, you know, like in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, where it says in the English, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a helper suitable for him. Well, the Hebrew word there does not mean alone. It means part or piece. And God looked at Adam and he goes, dude, he's only a part. He needs the corresponding part. That's literally it in the Hebrew. It's not good for Adam to be a piece. I will make for him the corresponding part. Well, there's those of us who are walking around in corresponding parts, I mean, uh, pieces, and God's going, Rick needs help. And I, I say this all the time. I know without a shadow, I'm like Burby. We outmarried ourselves. I've been going, I look at Paul many times, I'm going, how did I get her? How did, what, what? God, you know. You have a sense of humor, don't you? you know? but, but the reality was he gave me Paul. And, and so therein comes this thing which God has created with us. Me, a man, biologically, with, which is amazing in that, and a woman, you know, biologically different. And 
and you're looking at this. And our society today in this culture is trying to exploit that difference and make it common. Not, it's not something separate and it's not something to be clean. But I just want to say, I pray in the name of Jesus that we can communicate the awesomeness of this and the purpose of it. This physical relationship. And let's just begin in, back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, where Paul makes this, I mean not Paul, I'm sorry, the writer of Moses, whoever wrote Genesis chapter 2, where after man, God creates the man, and he goes and it says, for this reason, now I want you all to think about this, for this reason, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, or literally be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now go to the next passage, because when it says they shall cleave and be joined together, what is it talking about? Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul brings about this same passage script from the Old Testament. And what he's talking about here, he says, For he who says, the two shall become one flesh, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. And I messed up. How did I, is there a verse, is there, that there's verse 15, and is that one? Yeah. Hey, I messed up. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members with a prostitute? See, the body of Christ, is like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is made up of many members. And, and let me just sort of draw this out real quick. The body of Christ is made up of many members. Christ is the head. But the body is made up of many members. Oversimplified version, okay? Okay, and what it's talking about here says, do you take away, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? The physical, the interesting thing, what makes you part of the body of Christ is your physical body. It's not your gift. Anyway, it's your physical body. It's amazing. This is a mystery. That I don't, it's not a mystery. I'm sure it's to be known. But the reality is my physical body makes me a part of the body of Christ. And the interesting thing, and then he says, shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? They never be. And it goes on, and it talks about going, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jeff, if you can go back to that one again. May it never be. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one flesh with him? First thing i got to establish in reality is this, this this principle of a physical relationship between a man and a woman is the, literally the joining together of a man and a woman. Two separate parts. But the physical relationship literally glues us together. That is what it says. Because he talks about if you go have a relationship with a prostitute, you're gluing yourself to that prostitute. And what ha that's whole Satan's whole seduction is, is to distort the body of Christ. And so because, so literally, so uh, let me just see here, make sure I don't get ahead of myself here. So literally what we see, let's go on to the next slide here. And I want to emphasize this because some of the Pharisees came to Jesus testing him, asking him, is it lawful for, for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered them and said, he says, have you not read that in the, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. 
And then he says this, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and there it is again, be joined. In the Greek word, there is a word like you see in, uh, it, you know, go to the next slide, please. It is, I don't have it there. It's literally to be glued together. And so what happens is, when a man and a woman physically get together, and really, the reality is, y'all, this union does not really happen Really, like doing a wedding, I've done many weddings when you get up there and pronounce a man and wife. It don't really happen then. The union literally really happens when the night of the wedding. That's why it's so precious. That's why it's so holy. It is the holy glue. And it's interesting how this works in many different realms. There's a spiritual facet of it. And, uh, and there's also, interesting, a soulish facet. One of the interesting things is that when I minister to people, is, is to know how we're made, that emotions are one of the greatest imprinters of information on the human heart. You know, like I can come to say to somebody, uh, uh, what's your name? John. I could say to John, I could say to John, where were you on August 11th, 2001? Where were we at, John? Do you remember where you were at on August 11th, 2001? Huh? Don't know, do you? Okay, let me ask you this. Where were you at September 11th, 2001? Ah, he was at his friend's apartment. You probably remember a lot of other details about that, don't you? Well, that's important. Why, what's the difference between August 11th, 2011 and... Uh, 2001, I'm sorry. And September 11th, 2001. What's the difference? Emotions. The emotions of September 11th. The emotions of August 11th were nothing. So guess what? The information on his heart's not really relevant. But the emotions of September 11th that we as Americans all remember, we can just about, probably everyone in this room, can you can think about where were you at August 11th? Where were you at September 11th? And I bet you anything, you'll come up with details. I remember I was, you know, who I was with. I remember it was a clear day. I was over on the Clay Street apartment house and all of a sudden, you get this call, you know, and all kind of craziness. Mark Akers is supposed to be trying to catch a plane somewhere and, and all kind of stuff. Why? Wow, what's the difference? Emotions. And one of the things that happens when a gluing together, literally, when you have this orgasm that occurs in a sexual union, y'all, it's a cementing of people's hearts together. That's why pornography can be so deadly. So when a person looks at an object and all of a sudden enters into self-gratification, it cements into them, you know, just soulishly, this information is printed in their heart. That's why we, well, we have a situation out we're dealing with out in Texas where a woman developed, a married woman, married two kids, developed a $1,200, $1,300 a month habit of calling 1-800-PORN lines, or whatever it is, not 800, whatever they, the number was, the porn lines. She would call, hear the words, masturbate, have orgasm, cement in her an addiction. She was addicted. She could control it, quote. But suddenly she's addicted to it. Why? One of the things is, is all of a sudden there's this thing going on in her heart. So when this thing, event where it occurs, where God's created this relationship to be glued together, is to be holy, cementing of a soul, a hearts together. 
not to be scattered about. How about this? The interesting thing is, this one's interesting. Go to the next slide. Oh, this is saying that a husband and wife are being joined together in 1 Peter 3, 7 to be fellow heirs of the grace of life. God has said, like Terry and Brenda, y'all are in a journey here to participate as fellow heirs of the grace of life. I'm gluing you together in this glorious relationship. Fellow heirs of the grace of life. Grace of life. Grace to enjoy, grace to endure. It's the grace of life. Let's go on. This physical relationship between a man and a woman, y'all, establishes the covenant of marriage. Now, don't take this lightly. This is critical. Interesting thing is, notice it says, yet you say for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously. Though she is the companion and your wife by covenant. Now this is very important because we, in our society, we can throw around this covenant thing. Oh, I want to make a covenant with somebody. You don't want to make covenants. Because why? Lightly. Because why? Go to this Hebrews passage. In Hebrews 10, Hebrews 9 tells us about covenants. It says to Moses, to all the people according to the law, he took, I mean go to the next one please. I think I got the, yeah. I got out of order. For where a covenant is, there must be necessity of the one who made it. You make a covenant, you create a debt. A debt of death. That's why sometimes I minister to people, they've established covenants, and we've got to break this debt off of them. But let's go on. Well, death, well, how does death happen in Scripture? Shedding of blood. Notice this. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, never is never forced while the one who made it. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken, now if you go back, Jeff, please, Moses took all the people according to the law, and he took the blood of calves and goats and water and scarlet and hyssop and sprinkled both the book in itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant which I commanded you. And it goes on, he sprinkled blood on all the vessels. Jesus takes a cup. This is the what? Blood of the covenant. God established in Moses, uh, Abrahamic covenant. When he established the Abrahamic covenant, there was shedding of blood. When there is a covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, God designed it for there to be what? Shedding of blood. Read Leviticus. They would take the evidence of this and prove the wife being a virgin or not. Critical. That amazes me how God so creates a, a woman's body in a manner to establish a covenant. So when the physical union of a man or woman has been designed to establish a covenant, it glues them together. It establishes a covenant. Well, what about the saying, well, somebody may be dealing with it. What if you had sex outside of marriage? Well, here's the cool thing to me. The blood of Jesus becomes the sign of the covenant. Ephesians 1.7 says, go to the next slide, please. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Praise God that the blood is enough to redeem. Redemption, redemption, redemption. Oh, by law, if a man or woman has sex outside of marriage, by the Mosaic law, what happens? They were what? Cursed. They were to be stoned. Praise God. Go to the next slide. Whoops, I'm sorry. Go to the next one, and then I'll come back. Nope, I didn't put it in there. Sorry about that. In Galatians chapter 3, it tells us that Jesus became a curse for us. So y'all, our mistakes, Jesus redeems. It's just like in this passage of Scripture. One time I'm ministering to this, to this young girl who was, who was at Virginia Tech, and she came out from a real, uh, really promiscuous background, and, and uh, I think Leah was in on me with this, and uh, you know, even had an abortion, and, and she got saved, but then she came to the reality. She says, how can I, being, quote, used, can experience and expect to have a man of God who's holy and righteous. How? The blood of Jesus, who forgives us and cleanses us from what? All unrighteousness. And the Lord gave this passage of Scripture to us. I'll never forget it. it was, we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, the Lord just gives this passage of Scripture. Bless the Lord, on my soul. And forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed as wings as eagles. I don't say this and share this lightly to say, go ahead and have sex, Jesus will forgive you. That is a wrong attitude. But I do say this. The blood of Jesus, which is the treasure of all treasures, is the great oxyclean and redeemer and for a marriage I don't care whether you've done it right or you've done it wrong the blood of Jesus is can be the blood but in that I want to say that <coughs> that this is how crucial this physical relationship is between a man and a woman it's a glue it's an establishment of covenant and notice this other thing that I want to speak to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take away the members of Christ to make them members of a prostitute? So literally, what you'll see here, and it goes on, it says, do you not know that the one who joins himself to prostitute is one body with her? Go to the next slide, please. And it says, for he says the two shall become one flesh. Now I've established this, that the physical relationship between a, a man and a woman establishes what I call a, a union of flesh, flesh tie. You've heard people go through ministry of soul ties. Soul ties is that's a really not a cool term for it. In fact, soul ties in Scripture are good things. In fact, Paul in Philippians 2 prays that you would be united and have flesh soul tie. But flesh tie, different thing. And I don't have time to go into that deal. But literally, when the, the thing that was, remember this now, let me say this. Remember Adam? was there. God puts him asleep. He opens him up and he pulls out of him the place. This, he pulls out of him this rib. This place. Her place in his heart. In him. And he separates her from him. And then he takes this rib and he fashions. He makes it into a woman. 
And Adam's going, whoa, this is it. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And it goes on to say, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and become be joined together and become two shall become one flesh. When Paul and I got married, we became, in the, in the body of Christ, we became one flesh. Rick, Paula. I'm, my part in the body of Christ, you can't get the fullness of Rick apart from Paula. You ain't going to get the fullness of Rick apart from Paula in this body. Vice versa. You're not going to get the fullness of Paula apart from Rick. That's why if we're dealing and ministering with married couples, married women, the best thing to do is, is you better be dealing with through that spouse. Because you're not going to get to the fullness of it. Now you who are single, this is y'all. Remember what I said? Y'all are whole. You don't lack. But there's, but in the body. Interesting thing that I really, how I see it in the spirit is, like, if you got children, like here's Mitch, Leah, uh, Kaylee, Kaylee, Kay, Kenzie, uh, Caleb, and Kristen. You know, their, their place in the body is like this. And you function in the, in the flow under. That's an oversimplified version. But the important thing for us to grasp in this thing is that when my place and positioning in this body, when I have physical relationship with my wife, the physical relationship I have with my wife establishes that real place in this body. Why is it, y'all? And it goes on this passage. It says, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Immoral man... Every other sin a man commits is outside the body. That's the body of Christ. But the immoral man sins against his own body, in this physical body and against this body. No situations where pastors have affairs. As a result, over one half, it was one particular church, over one half of the church fell into sexual immorality. Why? That sin affects the whole. That's why if any time you deal with a sexual morality in relationship to a leader, that, you know, it can affect the whole. And the whole body needs to be understand how we're going to deal with this. That's why y'all went all of a sudden, I'm telling y'all, I'm dealing with the spirit of adultery. Why? You know what? It, it would affect what? You. And so I'm going, this is serious. That's why I come to the elders, y'all. Pray for me. Why I come to Mitch Tilly, pray for me. Why I come to Paula, pray for me. That's why I'd share it with y'all. I don't have no, no shame. There's victory. There's no defeat in it. Pray, praise God. But it's a serious issue. So Because a physical relationship between a man and a woman, you know, it's a glue. It's establishing a covenant. It's a one flesh relationship, establishing a relationship within the body of Christ. It is to be protected and taken care of. Now, any other, let me tell you something. Any other, I'm talking about any person in the body. It's just not pastor. That's what, one of the things that can affect the whole body when the body is sexually immoral. The, talking about people in the body are sexually immoral. It affects the whole. 
It's critical. It is so critical. You know, Mims and them are dealing with a situation in Charlotte. Pastor dealing with sexual immorality. And the destruction that is manifesting in that body. Mims was texting me. She's just going, it's heartbreaking to see it. Because it's real. This is not ethereal. It's not God's just a big nerd in the sky and not want us to have a good time. It's something that's holy, it's treasured, it's something established glue, it's something established covenant, it's a stuff established oneness in a family and oneness in the body of Christ, the family in the body of Christ. Is Leah here? The second thing that I want to share about the, one of the, you know, this, the creative purpose of physical relationship is a point of warfare. Notice this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Stop depriving one another, except for agreement for a time so that you devote yourselves to prayer and come together so that Satan may not tempt you beyond what you can, which you're, because of your lack of self-control. In other words, really, literally, a physical relationship between a man and a woman is an, is a, is, is an act of spiritual warfare to protect. Both. It doesn't speak just for the man, but for both. For both. Good effect in the spiritual realm. I mean, when Paul and I's physical relationship is healthy, you can feel it in the spirit to stand strong against the schemes of the enemy. If the enemy can cut this relationship off, y'all, it has massive effect in the spiritual realm. Go to the next slide. Because it, it is... For good spiritual warfare, but guess what? You flip it around and how about bad? Notice this passage in Proverbs 5. It says, and this is talking about in the context of sexual immorality or sexual relationships. It says, keep your way far from her. It's talking about the, the prostitute. And do not get near the door of her house or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. Your years to the cruel one. I, I can't tell you, y'all, how many ministers that I've prayed with and ministered with or come behind to see sexual immorality happen in their relationships and see cancer break out in their lives or, or someone in their family? That's why one of the first things that I deal with when I deal with sexual immorality is break the curse off of this thing. Let's deal with this sin against the body. We've got to deal with this issue. It's, it's, and many times it's life or death. And so it's, 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 it's one of those effects because this is sin against the body. It infects the body with, with sin. And so, you know, so in, you know, but that's the bad side of spiritual warfare. Satan can con you into it. Spiritual warfare will be loosed and can be easily loosed in your life. And I don't speak that as a point of fear in this, but you get a point of soberness. So anyway, so third thing about this physical relationship that God made. And, and notice this. And it's, it's important for us to catch this because this gets pronounced as the main purpose of physical relationship. <laughs> Excuse me. But it says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And notice how I put it in the notes. This is what God said. This physical relationship between a husband and a wife is the point for the birthing of sons and daughters. And what God said to me, it's the seeds of the next generation. 
It's the seeds of the next generation. And y'all don't take lightly this. Both the physical act, the sons and daughters that you have to take it lightly that are birthed in this, I mean, this awesome relationship between a man and a woman and the coolness of how God brings it out and the seed, the DNA of a generation is established, not only in the physical, but I believe in the spirit. Like uh, uh, one of my favorite testimonies about this is James Dobson's grandfather. Uh, I heard testimony about James Dobson sharing about his, the heart of his grandfather to bless the seed, his, his heirs, his descendants. And he prayed for the, his descendants. And, he's, and the interesting thing is, as James Dobson was testifying, I think he said, I mean, the number of people and grandkids that his grandfather has, he said, I think all of them are in ministry. James Dobson said, all my brothers and sisters or whatever in ministry, some form, except for me. And, you know, James Thomas just been humble, you know. I'm just head of a ministry, you know. <laughs> but, you know. But the reality is, is kind of interesting to me. James Thompson's ministry is focused on the family. I really wonder in the spirit if the fruit of the, the, the seed of focus on the family is in the prayers of that grandfather. So in this union between a husband and a wife and birthing sons and daughters is not something lightly in physical DNA passed, but I believe it's also a spiritual DNA established and launched. You know, that's why, you know, I just look forward and pray for Max and Francis and, and whoever Michelle gives birth to or whatever, if she does, you know. You know, there's just the, that's just the preciousness, the sacredness of this this physical relationship between a man and a woman. And you know, what crazy thing is about our culture today is trying to distort that. Oh, let's clone. Let's do uh, implants where you deal with, you know, same-sex marriages. That's distortion. I mean, think about it. Two women together. And they do, what is it, in vitro fertilization? Is that what you call it? Huh? That's a correct term. What are you, what are you, what DNA are you putting forth? You're putting a DNA of, of homosexuality. So it's just not. This husband-wife relationship, oh, it's for procreation. No, no, no. God's called us not to birth children. He's called us to birth sons and daughters. And there's a difference, y'all. And so... And that's why, that's why I speak to the young men who are not married. This relationship, I mean, don't get tempted to go there. And that's why last week, you remember, I shared with y'all the thing about purpose. You know, there's a time and, and, and procedure for a purpose or an event. You know, because what Satan wants you to do is drop a bunch of kids around. Just scatter your seed. And let it birth something. Oh, just rolling dice about birthing, you know, kids. And all you're doing is, the danger is you're going to birth, if you, the redemption of God can overcome it. But what, what happened, you just birth fatherlessness. And so, anyway, fourth thing that God really established about the awesome relationship, the physical relationship between a husband and a wife. Let's go to the next slide. 
This one's very interesting to me. Notice how I wrote this. That the physical relationship of a husband and a wife is the fruit of knowing and intimacy. Now we quoted, every one of us have quoted this passage of Scripture in Luke, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. But in quoting a week, to be honest with you, I really believe we don't understand what we're quoting. I didn't until I started studying this thing and I'm going, oh God. Interesting. Adam had relations with his wife. Well, the Hebrew word there, yada, to know. But the interesting thing is about that, as opposed to also where Mary, Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you know, you're going to have a child. Well, Mary's response is, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Well, the word there for virgin is not the word for virgin. It's the word to know. Interesting thing in the verb tenses there. In the one where Adam and Eve, you know, notice what it says. Now, the man knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth. The verb tense there in the Hebrew is is, is conceptualized. It's, 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 it's point action. Not, not point action. It's, it's completedness. And I, don't, I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God knew what he was doing. In fact, I believe every jot and tittle is important in the Word of God. When God said, Adam knew Eve, and he conceived a son, and she gave birth. Literally, what the Lord was showing me is that the physical relationship is the fruit of Adam and Eve coming to know each other. I'm not talking about sexual. And I, you know, I, I, was, I was talking about a little bit this last week, but, you know, how when Paul and I, I was telling you all last week how that my, my whole distortion of, of the physical relationship was, you know, just all about this action. I'm thinking event. God gave me a woman, Paula, who in her, and that, I don't know if you remember when I was talking about woman fashioned in, into a woman, and in the woman in the relationship, not always, but it's the vast majority of times, in it is the seed of, of intimacy, relationship. And Paula's going, you know, I, I'm, I, many times I'm focused on the event of, you know, the physical relationship, and Paula's all about the process, and but not what the process. She's after knowing. She wants to know me. And, and what God says this, that the physical relationship, y'all, is to be a fruit of intimacy. It's not the point of intimacy. Hear that. Satan wants us to think that it is intimacy. It is not. It is the fruit of intimacy. And I cannot tell you the situations and circumstances where I've ministered to people down through the years, particularly like on take this on the women's side, is that one broke, heartbroken thing to me was this one lady we were ministering to. And she was probably, I think she was probably in her late 40s, dealing with all kind of crazy addiction issues. I mean, all kind of crazy addiction issues. And she starts sharing with us her, her childhood coming up and how in her family incest was so so common, not only incest with her brothers, but incest with her father and uncles. And, and her whole mindset was to know a guy is that she has to be physical. 
And like I shared, shared with y'all, some one of the things that we've had to deal with in this church is when we have a couple come together and they start dating. They've come out of the world and they start dating together and they come in a relationship and they go, we need to stop. We can't be physical until we get married. And, and all of a sudden, interesting, the guy will say, yeah, I, I just want to honor you. I want to respect you. I just don't want to have physical relationship. And we'll watch the girl manifest. She'll go nuts. Because you know why? You know, Satan was, you know, tried to establish love and identity. He's always about, uh, if you love, if you know, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you love me, and so what will happen is this girl, the only way she's known that she can get acceptance is to be what? Physical. It's got to do with the heart. It's got to do with soulish needs. And so what we're dealing with here is that Satan is wanting us to destroy this mindset. The, really, the reality is it, it's what we call false intimacy. False intimacy. That's one of the major issues with pornography with men. Because you know what Satan's out is? He's out to steal the role of the wife with the husband to birth in us intimacy. I believe that rib that God took out of us is the heart of intimacy. That's why that two become one flesh in that place that I don't step over on Paula in this place in that I make her feel guilty and we're all about, it's all about the physical event. It's not. It's the hardest thing that I've ever come to know, y'all, after 35 years of marriage, is that this relationship between Paula and I is, an, is the fruit, and I'll restate that, the fruit, the result of intimacy between Paula and I. You know, what Satan wanted me to think way back, you know, my mindset was that I didn't know I'm just going to be just gross, okay? Let's be real. But in my mindset, in my actions, I, women talk? Huh? I didn't know that. You know? Why? Because you get with together, you date? What do you do? Go parking. What? That's a distortion. That's a distortion. That's why I said, you know, I say, you know, when I was speaking to my Shay, I go on Michelle. Shay, you know, Shay, you with a girl? Three things I just speak into you. Don't get physical. Don't kiss. Don't don't use the L word. You know, love. I love you. Feel it. You know, you know it. Mean it. Because why? You know, and I, I really think Shay took what I spoke into him and birthed into him. Because he, his, Leela's relationship. You know where Leela, he and Leela's relationship birthed? When he went back over to Macedonia? Go into their house and you'll see on the, one of the walls in their house these pictures of these park benches. And they had them named. That's where their relationship was birthed. They would sit on park benches and talk. That's why today that I'll go down and visit Shay and Leela and I'm wrestling around with the kids and, and I'll look up and here's Shay and Leela sitting on the couch sort of you know, hanging all over each other, laughing and talking. You ever go to a restaurant and watch the people who are married and are single? The ones that are single will be talking, usually. That's why I purposely try to bust this up. But watch it, watch it. They'll usually be 
And you'll look over and you'll see a wedding ring. Notice the, the husband and wife cross from each other. You'll see them say something and, yeah, okay. And the ones that are single, like, you know, my age, oh, yes. You know what Satan's doing? He's trying to use lust as the point of communication before you get married. After you get married, it's no longer lust that's the motive and the point of communication. It's what? Which brings us in to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Go to the next slide, please, and we'll come back. Interesting. The first physical relationship is a sort of, I got this wrong, but it is, it's the source, it's an expression of love. It's an expression of love. It is not love, but it's an expression of love. I love this. Rejoicing in the wife of youth as a loving hind, graceful breath. Doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated. I love this. I love this. Be exhilarated always with her love. You know what that word exhilarated means? Drunk. It does. Sorry, Ern, but it's here, brother. <laughs> with Paula's love. Always, 35 years, y'all, and it's cool. I can get slapped drunk with her love. and I, You know what I mean. Doing stupid stuff, foolishness. But that is, that is and y'all, in this passage is in the context. Well, you read the verses, things before it. But it, what is this? Physical relationship is that place of love. And this is interesting to me. I've got to say something here. Please hear this right. It's interesting to me that four times God speaks into a man, husbands love your wives. Three times it's a command. Fourth one is a, like an infinitive. He just declares it. And like you've heard me say before, commands in the Word of God are not for performance. Commands are creative forces. <laughs> and it's interesting to me that four times God says into the husband, love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. And he's trying to birth it. And it takes four times. I think it's where that place he took out of love and he's going, I'm filling it back. <laughs> love. 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 You know. Okay, you got. Okay. Yeah. But nowhere does he say to the wife, love your husband. Why? Enter. But I want to say this to you, ladies. Hear this right. Please, 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 please. Within the context of this place of husbands loving your wives, the wives can draw the love of a husband out. And that's one of the things that I watch in sitting in these counseling sessions that I sit in, that how Wives will shut themselves down to their husbands. And next thing you know, their relationship's growing cold. And I'm not putting it on the wife because the husband's got a creative destiny to love, but I'm going to be honest with you, the wife can spark it. And I said, times I Paula, I go, Paula, man, you know, you want me to love you, and, you know, many times it's so easy to take the ten things, Rick, if you do the ten things, then here, you know, it's law. But... But I speak to Paul, Paul. You can draw this out of me. You can intoxicate me with you. 
and I just, I just want to speak to your wives. You have a gift from God that can spark something in your husbands. But hear it right. Hear it within the context of what I said first. Because this physical relationship, God, is an expression. It's not love, but it's an expression of it. That's why you hear the term, it gets distorted, make love. You don't make it. You express what's there. Let me just say this. You try to make it without the wrong context, you create the need of love. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. A girl who draws, tries to draw a guy to herself to get love with sex will starve to death for love. So eventually, her heart will shut down. How many prostitutes have I prayed with in that place where their hearts were shut? Yeah. Just a commercial about this thing. I, Laura, you remember that time? There was a young mother who was a prostitute. She became a part of an escort service in, in Belgrade. And uh, we administered into her. Just the awesomest guy and stuff like this. You know, she didn't know who her dad was. Her mom was a professional ballet dancer. Traveled the world in ballet. World renowned. But in her, this gap of love. And her being common. And I'll never forget, you know, this was so precious that Laura, when Laura and Swifty came over with us one time, it just so happened, it was the time of Shay's wedding. And Laura and Paula took this young girl out to a dress shop, right? And bought her a dress. First time a mother ever just got her the best dress and shoes and slip and that kind of stuff, you know? To communicate to this girl, you're special. You're not some object to be used under the context of false enemies. The last one I just want to share if you go back to the this one. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Y'all, this is all within the context of physical relationship. And I believe in it as a declaration that this this physical relationship between a husband and a wife is a as you see in the notes there, it's a source of enjoyment and celebrating the relationship of a husband and a wife. Now, y'all, uh, like everything, Satan and the world is all about trying to get us to celebrate things out of season, use things out of season to not understand. And I share these today not to, to speak into us, to put any weight on us, and please, if I went there with this, grant me mercy, because that was not the intent of this. The heart in sharing this was for us to catch the, the awesome the revelation of this physical relationship between a husband and a woman. I speak to those who are, who are, you know, maybe young. Satan will tempt you there. There's a things awakening in you physically. And, there's, and there may be soulish needs awakening in your heart where Satan would deceive you and tell you that this physical thing would satisfy that. No. 
Be wise. Be wise. And understand the fullness of the revelation of which God has given you. If God has given you the, that place that where there is another person to be in your life, you know, cherish it. Treasure it. That's why on Michelle's neck, you know, many times she wears this key. I gave her, and I, when she was 11, or I can't remember, 12, I took her out to the fanciest place I could take her to, and I, I said, Michelle, here's a key, and this is a key to your heart. And on that day, you know, that the God gives you that man that you open that place up. That's because and in that, the physical relationship to follow. But Satan wants you to distort that. He wants to distract that. And I said this last week, and I want to close in this. Y'all, experience does not make it good. You know, the deception is, oh, you know, how are you going to know you're going to like the person? How are you going to know if you like it if you don't try it before you get married? That is the biggest con that I have ever said. I cannot tell you how many people I've had to minister to out of that deception. Like I said last week, I know that the foul drawer before you get married is have sex, have sex, have sex, have sex, have sex. As soon as you say I do, it's like, whoa! It just amazes me. And I just speak that to the uh, younger generation. Do not be seduced by the culture of this world. They will kid you, taunt you. You're a virgin? What? Or, you know, guess what? You, know, you don't have sex now? No, no, no. Wow, I got a treasure to give. I got a relationship to establish. I got a destiny to establish. I got a seed of generations to establish. I'd like to speak to you, Josh Worley's. I mean, Josh Worley's. But how old are you, Josh? 14, 15? 15. Yeah. It ain't wrong to start thinking about destiny right now. He better be thinking destiny. You know? And be aware that the things he plants right now will establish destinies to come. And realize the gravity. I speak to the husbands and, and the wives. You know, you know. I, I, I pray awaken the preciousness of of love and intimacy. I laughed and rejoiced at Ben and Danielle when they go on their honeymoon and they're telling us about getting drunk in the Holy Ghost on their honeymoon. I'm going, bless God. That is so cool to me. Now, don't feel guilty if it don't happen to you on your honeymoon. But if it didn't happen to me, it happened to you, Smonis? No, I was so dumb. It came my way. But, you know, I just rejoiced that they could participate in that. They didn't get seduced by the world to, to get physical before. And so just rejoiced in the fruit that manifest in their lives. And when I hear stuff like that, I go, hallelujah. And I pray that for us. Husbands, that we'd learn to love our wives. Well, hear what I say when I say that. Hear their hearts. Know their hearts. I just want to know, Paula, now. Y'all are just so dumb in it. For many years. Like I joke and kid around how men have a spirit of dumbness on them sometimes. 
And you want to go, in the name of Jesus, come out! You know. But it's, but it's glorious in this relationship between a husband and a wife. Herbie, you got anything? Ingrid? This is a male voice up here, John. <laughs> Leah was supposed to, and Paula's sick. It's kind of interesting. I'm preaching on this, and she gets that stomach bug this morning. Text me on the way here. It says, Rick, I'm about to. Yes, my wife is also not feeling well. So, so we're going to pray for wisdom. <laughs> Instead of dumbness, wisdom. Right? Um, so really, you know, I think that's, you know, the Lord's just really been put on my heart, you know, just this just word oneness, you know, and in a couple of weeks I might speak about oneness with the body, oneness with him and oneness with one another, especially in relationship to marriage. And, you know, I think that is that place, you know, really asking the Lord for wisdom and how to create oneness. And it's, it's both and it's not, it's never a Mitch and it's never a Leah. It's a Mitch and Leah, you know, or as Le- Rick used to say, Litch and Mia, you know, it, it should be that way. It should just get all mixed up and jumbled in there and it should be one, right? You know, and so there's a place that God wants to create that environment and of just oneness um, where we can walk together in this thing and that I can draw things out in Leah and Leah gets to draw things out in me and we get to walk this thing out together. And so I'm just going to pray that as we close. Um, and like I always, you know, that God will continue to protect, you know, the preciousness of your singleness if you are single. But, you know, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think back and I'm like, man, I, I really wasted, like, the thought process of being a single, you know, because I was always, you know, I think, like I said, even, you know, you should think that way in relationship to destiny, but I threw all my eggs in that basket, and that's all, I, I mean, that's all I could think about, and I never enjoyed the place of singleness, because now, when I, you know, you have a wife and four kids, uh, your life is not your own anymore, just FYI, so enjoy it while your life is kind of, sort of your own and the Lord's, you know, I never enjoyed that, never enjoyed that season, and I just encourage you to enjoy that season, you know, break off the tendency of our culture to, to come smash you with, you know, hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have that, you gotta do this, you gotta be there, you know, no, enjoy it, enjoy where you're at, um, uh, you know, I always think of that. I never watched it, but the uh, oh, is there a movie called Click where he keeps? Is that where he keeps clicking his life? He he never enjoys where he's at, so he just forth fast forwards his life. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm. Is that that movie? I never watched it. Sorry. And if it's bad, don't watch it. <laughs> Somebody could tell me. Uh, really, Mitch, you shouldn't use that. <laughs> don't go watch it. But the theme of the movie was he never he never enjoyed his life, so he kept clicking his life forward somehow he was able to click it and then when he got to the end of his life he realized wow i just wasted my life and so don't waste the season of the life that you have right now enjoy it if you're married asking the lord to continue to redeem if necessary that oneness so that you can enjoy life with the wife of your youth and the husband of your youth and and really you know just encourage me as, as well if you have missed that, you know, like many of us in this room, uh, two of us that are standing here, you know, if you missed it, there's a place of redemption. Uh, not walking in this place of, well, I've blown it, so therefore I must, I, I should just keep going. <laughs> you know, really stop that, you know, process now. Allow God to redeem that process in your life. And man, because I'm thinking of even my, for my own life, 
the reality of what God did with Leah and I, man, if I'd admit, I wouldn't have wanted to miss that. But I would have if I'd have given in to the fact of, well, you know, you've blown it, you've done, you've done, missed it, you've missed your life, you've missed what God's doing. Go on, do it, do, keep going. You know, I want to break that off too this morning. If you feel like that's on you, and feel free to come up and pray. Any any of this, you know. Uh, it's always hard to have. <laughs> it's always hard to have a, a, a you know call to this, you know. But there is places in each of our hearts that we need prayer, and so we encourage you. If you, if you don't feel comfortable coming forward here, then grab somebody and, and you know out there and pray, and, or call freedom teams in relationship to that. If you want to walk through some of that, so let's just stand and, and uh, I'm going to pray. Ask the Lord.